Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Good morning, everybody. Say good morning, everybody. That's right. It sounded like a bad morning. Like good morning. It sounded like good morning. Um, we're having children's today. Children's care. All right. So we'll dismiss the kids. Let me um pray over the children. Lord, thank you for the children that you've given us, Father God. Thank you for the the young souls that you've blessed us with, Father God. We thank you for them so much. And as they go to learn your word, I thank you that the word engrafts itself into their hearts and their minds, and they'll never forget it all the day of their lives. I thank you, Father, whether they go through elementary school, middle school, high school, college, this word that's imparted to them now, this imperishable seed, will do nothing but grow and harvest and and just produce in their lives. I thank you that you surround them with godly friends. You deliver them from strange women and unreasonable and wicked men. And that you bless them everywhere they go, Father God, and surround them with the, your favor. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank the Lord for kids. Thank the Lord. As, I sound like, thank the Lord for kids, right? Um, Mom, Courtney, I got to tell you, amazing worship. Amazing worship. I mean, you know, people can sing. There are talented people. So what? Right? But when somebody can, can discern where the spirit is going, and lead you to a flow where, where God wants you to be. It's, you know, thank you for being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We, we appreciate you. Give, it, give a hand for Mom Courtney, because I mean, just amazing. I, it's a, God loves us so much. Me and Mom Courtney didn't talk today. Um, I had planned on reading a certain scripture, Genesis. But this morning, there was a certain passage that was put on my heart, and I asked people, I wasn't just going to do it. I said, people, okay, if I read this passage of scripture, he said, just, just be led by the image. So that's what we had a plan to read something else. Now I know why I'm supposed to read it. <laughs> so turn with me to Psalms 139. Very familiar Psalms. <laughs> very familiar Psalms. Um, love that. Wow. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Holler at me. I mean, wave at me when you get it. I would say, holla at me. <laughs> let me know when you get it. Let me know when you're there. Say amen. Give me a shout. All right. All right, man. More people got their Bibles this Sunday. Okay. <laughs> That's good. All right. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. Know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkest is not, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day. The darkness is as light in you. 
before you formed my inward parts, knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. You saw my unformed substance in your book were written, every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them as my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Thank the Lord for the reading of the word. Hey, Father, as I approach this word, even this subject, I thank you for holy boldness. I thank you that you give me boldness like you did your son Jesus. I thank you, Father, and I connect my tongue to my spirit, and I speak not as a mere man, but as the oracles of God. I thank you, Father, for supernatural divine utterance. I thank you, Father. I thank you for giving me clarity. I thank you, Father, that I step into those offices that you've called me into, and I speak your word to your people, that they may hear it with ears. Uh, ears that are open to the Spirit of God, and they will see things that they've never seen before. And I thank you that the Word of God will fall on good ground, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. And we praise you. Grant unto your people the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of, your, of, the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints. We give your name glory and honor. Just lift up your hands, have mass. And let's just worship God for a few moments. Father, we worship you. We glorify you. We worship you. There is no one like you. Spirit of the living God, we welcome you into this place. We welcome you. We invite you. We want you in this place. Minister to every soul, every mind. And Father, we worship you. We magnify you. We thank you that our hearts are good ground. We thank you that our minds are alert and our mind and our ears are open and our eyes are open, Father. I thank you that Satan is defeated even in this service, that no, no obstacles will stop this. And that, Lord, I thank you that no weapon that is fashioned against us shall prosper. And every tongue that has risen against us, it is already condemned. Thank you, Father. God, I do ask you for those who are just have yielded themselves to the enemy. I, I pray for repentance and I pray for a deliverance. And Father, I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. I thank you that no hex, no vex, and no spell can prosper. Um, no witch, no work. Um, um, male witch, Father, I thank you that, that none of those things could come against what you're, you're doing here. And I thank you, Father. I thank you for that anointing. Thank you for delivering us from a reason where we can men and strange women and strange men. Thank you, Father, for delivering us. Thank you, Father. We praise you. Thank you for delivering this church from the spirit of Jezebel. And Father, I thank you, Father, uprooting her works. And I thank you for holy boldness to confront this spirit that will cause division. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for, for delivering us from every backbiting tongue. I feel like somebody's 
biting my back. But I thank you for the prayers of the saints shielding my back. I thank you, Father. I praise you, Jesus. I praise you and I glorify you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for setting us free. Thank you, Lord. We worship you and we honor you, God. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I praise you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. You said that the integrity of the upright shall guide them. And I thank you for guiding us with integrity. And Father, I speak not out of any ill motives, but I speak as the Spirit of God gives me utterance. I yield my mouth as a mouthpiece, as the oracles of God. I thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for all the things that you're doing. We praise your name in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. So today we're going to um, um, speak about a subject that is controversial. It, it has been, um, you know, looked down upon. And I, I thank God for the church that I came from, uh, Pastor Lawrence Powell, um, and that his demonstration of these passages to be true and to demonstrate it before me so that I can follow after. Amen. 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 Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to talk about purging the church. Purging the church. Thank you, Lord. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, I was away this past week. Um, I actually went down to um, Courtney's um, former hometown, um, Columbia, South Carolina. <laughs> okay, excuse me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so praise the Lord. <laughs> so um, we thank God for that. And I, I, I want to say publicly that I have the best in-laws in the world. I just want to brag my in-laws. I love them. They love me. We, we cut up and we laugh. And um, yeah, and um, I just thank God it could have been um, negative. You know, the, the, the mother-in-law, the father-in-law from hell. <laughs> but I thank God for good in-laws. Amen. Amen. And I, I think at one point I was calling your mom more than you were at one point. So yeah, so I just, I thank God for that. Um, um, my bishop, Bishop um, Herbert Bailey, and um, Dr. Marsha Bailey actually um, invited us to come down to a conference, which I didn't know existed. And I didn't want to go. I wanted to stay home. <laughs> and, um, but I, too, am a man under authority. And so I went in faith. Um, I didn't complain, but in my heart, I was complaining. And so I went in and ended up getting blessed tremendously. And I'm going to have Courtney to share some of that at the end. Amen. She didn't know she was sharing that. Um, last week, um, Daniel shared about the hunt of holiness. And so today I'm going to um, go on the heels of that. And then I think the week before, Mom Jackie talked about abiding um, in the vine. And that was a wonderful message. Um, and so today I'm going to talk about purging the church and we must guard the church against sin. Um, there is an expectation from the Lord that that how his people should even live among each other. I mean, God is a holy God, right? And, and, and he expects his children to be holy. Psalm 101 verse 7 says, no one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. To no one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. 
Um, I was tempted to share about a, sto- um, a sermon called What Lies Behind Lies, um, dealing with lying. But we are, we are the temple of the Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit, the temple of the Lord, and he expects us to walk out our salvation every single day. Our sa- salvation isn't based on our works, but on the works of Christ. Um, our salvation, we are saved by works, not our works, but the works of Christ. As a result of what God has done for us in Christ, we should live holy. That, that is the expectation from the Lord. We should live holy. We are to pursue holiness daily. Um, if you're not pursuing holy daily, then you might not be saved. Um, true salvation carries out in our daily lives. And God places his seed, his word in our hearts, in our thoughts. He is concerned about what, how we think and our motives and our words and our lifestyle. And one of the things that destroys a church, and as you know, we're growing and we're flourishing and God is doing some amazing things in our church. One of the things that we need to guard against is unrepented sin in a local church can actually destroy that church. It makes the the assembly worldly secular and unlike Christ to to look upon the church as a way of um, to destroy our, our testimony. So we need to guard our testimony as a church. It, it, um, and then sin must be dealt with immediately. Sin hardens the heart and, and deceives. It, it will also make wrong look right and right look wrong. It separates us from the Father. Paul gives us specific instructions for the church to deal with an unrepentant brother or sister in the community. Like I said before, it isn't popular, but it's God's way of dealing with the church. So dealing with purging the church, we're going to deal with church discipline. At one point, I thought that that was extreme, but the scripture is God's word, and we must have a high view of God's word, regardless of what our society says. And so we we must guard um, the church and its integrity. If God's word has made a declaration, then we must embrace it and live accordingly. His word is true, regardless of what we think or feel about it. And what appears to not be loving in the scripture is really real love. I think people have a twisted view of love. Uh, today I'm doing a, a wedding, and I'm excited about this young man. I've, I've known this young man for about 12 years, 13 years, and he came to me and wanted me to do the wedding. And I just, I don't do weddings without doing premarital counseling. And so he, him and his fiancés, actually did eight weeks and then they asked for a bonus and so we did nine weeks <laughs> and then we're going to do then they asked for two sessions with Courtney <laughs> and the pulse of marital counseling <laughs> and so um yeah so it, I'm, I'm excited about that but we dived into what love is and and we need to renew our minds sometimes people think what love is um, it's an emotion uh, it's a feeling it's a deci- but decision or all three. And we know from the scriptures, we really dived into what love is, the pursuit of love. First Corinthians 13, love is kind and so forth. And, and, and does not rejoice in evil. And, and, and like I said, love is a verb. It's not passive. It's active. God so loved the world that he gave. So love is a, is a giver. Love brings about change. The, the prophetess at the time, Tony Braxton says, love should have brought you home last night. 
I'm going to keep referring to that song. <laughs> I do. Love should have brought your butt home. It's the driving force behind the gospel message. It, <laughs> love is, not love. If, if you love someone, then you will tell them the truth, right? It, it's, it's one of those things. I, I, I never forget, I was talking to a young lady and a little bit older than me, and she was trying to learn, learn fractions, and I was trying to teach her fractions. And um, I just told her the truth. I said, you're a lazy thinker. Of course, she got offended. And um, I said, you don't like to think. You want people to give you the answers. I said, but a good teacher will make you think. And so I told her, I said, you got to think. If you want to succeed, it's not going to be given. And I made her so mad to the point that she, she learned it. <laughs> and and <laughs> she learned it and she passed, I believe, her math portion of the GED. And then there was another, she was a Christian. She's been here at the church and um, she actually brought her whole praise and worship team at one time, a Brazilian church. And she came to me and she said, Mr. Dwayne, I just cannot learn. I cannot pass this test. I'm horrible. And I rebuked her. I said, listen to me. I said, you can do this. Stop being lazy. And I said, you pray in the Holy Ghost and you go in there and pass this test. And she was upset at me. Um, and, and she went in and passed the test. And to this day, I can call her and ask her to do something for me. And she did. She came to and brought her whole praise and worship team at one point and led praise and worship just because of that relationship. And so we cannot be afraid to tell people the truth. Uh, my father, who's the founder of this church, Reverend Johnny D. Dixon, he actually was a truth teller and he would, um, didn't care about my feelings. You know, I was raised by my mom and my grandmother and my aunts. And so... I was very shy and timid, and he actually challenged me about, he would tell me the truth even if I didn't want to hear it. And I was dating this, I was at Bible college, and I was dating this girl. She was a few years older than me, and he told me, he says, if you're not, if you're not serious about this relationship, you need to break it off. I didn't want to hear that at the time, and I ended up taking his suggestion, and I broke it off. How many know that we need people like that? We need truth tellers. And the word of God is a truth teller, even when we don't want to. We must get to the point that we love truth regardless of whatever happens. You know, we must love truth above all. We must speak the truth in love, but we must love the truth, even if it hurts our feelings, even if, if it hurts our whatever the situation. And recently I was talking to a bishop and he shared some, some things with me and corrected me about some things. And I didn't want to hear it. I don't like to, you know, but I received it. Didn't want to go to the conference. I, I did it. And sometimes you have to do what spiritual leaders don't want you to do. And, um, and, and you, you just have to keep going. So in this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we see Paul dealing with sexual sin in the church. Have you, heard of, have you ever thought about how the Lord feels about sexual sins? Throughout the scripture, he, he hates sins. I once heard a message that is very unpopular. And it, he'll probably be crucified today. But growing up, my dad had me watch this, um, this sermon by Jack Hayford called Why Sexual Sins Are the Worst Sins. <laughs> that went over real popular. And it was very, like, everybody. And so I brought it to the youth ministry. And, oh, God, I got all hell from parents and, and uh, all hell from some of even, um, I wouldn't call leaders, but um, some of the youth leaders and, some, of course, some of the youth. 
But sexual sins are very dangerous and it, it involves more than just you. But when you are committing sexual sins, it affects other people. It affects other people. And one of the pervasive themes in the Bible is for God's people to flee sexual sins. It isn't enough. Uh, it isn't something that we should take lightly. It's serious. God created sex and he wants humanity to enjoy it but only in the context of marriage of, between a man and a woman. And Paul wants them to excommunicate these professing believers who were having sexual intercourse with someone outside of their marriage. He, he, he actually wanted them to judge the brother and the sister and remove them in the, from the midst of them. This, my friend, is love. Uh, this is real love. Love will tell you when you're wrong, Love will kick you out of the house. You think about um, God, who is the definition of love. He kicked Lucifer out. I mean, he's, he's perfect. He loved Adam and Eve, and he drove them out of the garden. So don't tell me it's love just when you do everything that somebody wants you to do. But love is actually acting in a way that represents God. I think sometimes we as human beings, we distort love by looking at the human love. Some people view, uh, view God's love as distorted view of love. Uh, some people look at it as being weak or as human, humanistic, but God's love is unconditional to the point that God says, if you don't work, you, don't, you shouldn't eat. So he uses, motivate, he uses hunger to motivate a person to, to work. God's love. And, and, and so when we talk about purging the church, we're dealing with God's love. God's love. God will discipline us. He does not always give us everything that we want, no matter how much we pray for it. God, God, does, God is not a genie. God, I've said this a few times. Uh, we can't just have a, a, a wish list and ask God for everything that he wants us to do. But love will call us on the carpet and church discipline cannot be understood outside of church membership. So yesterday, the young man who's getting married today, he, I, I met his mom for the first time. I've known him for years. And, um, and then I met his aunt who came up and I met her aunt and he was, I, I didn't know, he didn't know how to introduce me. And so I said, well, I'm his former youth pastor. And, he, and, and, and I think he wanted to say I was his pastor. I said, I'm his fake pastor because he hasn't joined. And so he said, well, Courtney's like, Dwayne. <laughs> I said, I'm not really his pastor. And she said, he says, well, because I didn't fill out the little applications. I said, absolutely, you're not a pastor. That's why you're paying me for doing your premarital counseling and paying me for doing your wedding. <laughs> See, membership has its benefits. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you want to know what I charge? I charge $2,000, and that's really low for over eight hours of sessions plus the wedding. I was talking to Ashley's brother, Caleb. He was like, oh, no, we charge like 800 just to do the wedding. <laughs> I was like, well, I need to step it up. <laughs> uh, and so, but I did give him a benefit. I, I, I gave him a um, discount, um, 50%, you know. But this is why I need Angel help me out because she can, stop, she can deal with that because my heart be bleeding. And I'm like, ah, let's just go ahead and sew it. And Jill's like, no, I need you to cash out PD now. <laughs> I, so I need to, I need, that's, you know, and that happened in the youth ministry too because we would have these events 
and kids will like they would poke me. They were like, oh, you know, PD, I don't have no money. I was like, come on. And then my sister at the time, she was like, you can't do this. Like, we never get anywhere. You got to stand before Pastor Power <laughs> and just why we didn't make the budget. And <laughs> so, I mean, I, my heart just bleeds sometimes. So I was just like, oh man, I did the two, the whole. I gave him fifty percent. You know, praise the Lord. <laughs> So, but love, right? We, church discipline. Um, so many believers proclaim that they want Christ, but not his people. Um, you cannot be a biblical Christian without really being connected to a church. You're fooling yourself. You're deceived. So, so let's take a look at this. First Corinthians chapter five, verse one. It says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. For a man has his father's wife. So this man was sleeping with his stepmother. Uh, and, and, and this is Paul correcting them. This is, he, this is a true community. It's, he is challenging these, he's challenging these believers, saying you need to know each other to such a point that when someone is in sin, you know that they're in sin. And you can call them on the carpet. It's challenging these days with uh, really having face-to-face -face time with other believers in your local church. One thing to look at is that we need to know what's going on in each other's lives. And so that, that requires you to get out of your comfort zone, not just to come to church, you know, be late to church, and then to leave early, Right. You should come early, greet the people, kind of get to know the people, and then to leave late. Leaders should be the first ones here, and leaders should be the last ones here. That's what leadership is. Leaders, as one book says, leaders should eat last. You know, as, as parents, we would make sure our kids eat, even if it means, you know, I, I used to be very selfish with my food, and I'm still kind of selfish, but if my boys come and say they want something, I'll give it to them even if I really wanted it. <laughs> As leaders, we should eat last. This, the leadership needs to know the spiritual conditions of the members, and the members must be open and transparent with both the leadership and each other. Sometimes I think members don't allow pastors to know them. So not everybody who has a pastor, they don't allow pastors to pastor them. I'm not looking at anybody. <laughs> Some people are very private, and, and, and I, we honor your privacy. But at the same time, as spiritual leaders, you should be open and transparent so that we can help you. And this isn't um, popular because that goes beyond surface Christianity, right? Mark Dever says this, um, Christianity is personable but not private. It's personable but not private. When you got saved, you got saved to a whole body of believers, you know, I love the fact my wife, and correct me if I'm wrong, when she got born again, she was in this gospel choir at the college, and she was um, singing a song by Marvin Winans, I'm giving you details, um, from a song called Jesus Saves. And she was singing that in her dorm, and you, she bowed her knees to the Lordship of Jesus and received Christ. And then that Sunday, you went to the church, and when they gave the altar call, she publicly went down the aisle and made her profession before humanity. 
a few months later. I'm sorry. It took her two years, two months to get the revelation. But she came two months. I was, I was dressing it up. But two months later, she came and made a public declaration. I mean, that's, that's what Christianity is about. It's not just um, going, you know, pri- praying privately, but it's learning to pray corporately. This man was sleeping with his father's wife. And in either case, whether it was a biological mother or stepmother, most theologians believe it was his stepmother. In either case, he was sinning against the Lord. He was doing something that even unbelievers weren't doing. 1 Corinthians 5.2 says this, And you are arrogant. Aren't you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. Paul calls them arrogant. Pride is the foundation of sin. So whenever you see somebody sinning, it's really pride. Not only was this man sinning, but the church was also sinning because the church was not calling them out. Paul rebukes them for not mourning or repenting. My bishop said it recently. He acknowledged us, some of the people who were in this fellowship, and he says, it's not enough to say I'm a pastor or I'm a, a woman of God or I'm a teacher or a minister and I'm just human. That is an excuse to live any kind of way. I'm weak like everybody else. Well, you don't need to be in leadership. Not everybody, the Bible tells us not everybody should be a leader. There's some people who are called, God calls us to salvation, but you have to qualify to be a leader. It, not everybody should be a leader. They're not proven. And so we need to have a standard. We need to up, really heed the standards of the Lord. So Paul gives them specific instructions to remove the individual from their presence. In some places, if this was to happen, you know what would happen? The person would try to sue the church or go to another. Unfortunately, we live in a day that when people get offended, they go to another church. This wasn't a one-time thing, but it was an ongoing thing, which reveals a lifestyle. As the Church of Christ, we need to cry out for the Lord to give us the spirit of repentance. We need to mourn when a brother or sister is in an unrepentant state. This is community. Verse 3 says this, For though absent in body, I am present in spirit, as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. Think. So, in other words, we're called to judge. I know Christians don't like to hear that. Today is like a not, no judgment zone, right? Like Planet Fitness, right? No judgment zone. <laughs> Some of y'all don't go to Planet Fitness. <laughs> lifetime. That's the dream for us. A lifetime gyms. You know, that that's that's like the but it's like two hundred dollars for a couple. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Prosperity is ours. <laughs> but let me be faithful and walking. <laughs> Because <laughs> if I can't walk the dog, I'm not going to pay $120 just to be taken out of my account. <laughs> we're, we're called to not judge, right? That's what most people are saying. So let's take a break. Let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Verse 1 is a, a, it's a familiar scripture that people like to quote um, in unbelievers. Now, we're not called, Paul tells us this in 1 Corinthians, latter part, the latter part of 1 Corinthians 5. We're not called to judge people who are not saved. All right, they're doing what they so they they do with their nature. They just they just doing what they're, they're doing. But we are called to believers. If you call yourself a believer, we we can judge you if we're not doing dealing with that same sin. Sorry, if I'm using profanity, y'all do know cussing is a sin. All right, 
And so if I'm cussing, I can't call you on the carpet to cuss. Right? You know what? So that's where you shouldn't judge. So judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. With the measure you use will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrites. So that's what a hypocrite is. A hypocrite is somebody who, who pronounces judgment on somebody else of the very thing that they're involved in. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. All right. So again, here we're saying that Paul is, I mean, Jesus is saying, you know, remove that sin out of your own eye. Then you have the freedom to help your brother to remove the one that's out of his or her eye. Do not give what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. So this happens a lot in some churches when somebody pronounces judgment on somebody's lifestyle, but they themselves are involved in that lifestyle. The devil comes and knocks them out of the closet and expose their sins. So here Jesus says, do not do not take what is holy. That judgment is holy. That judgment is love. Do not take that and cast it before pigs. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they tremble under your foot. And so there was a, uh, I'm thinking about a few people who uh, I've known of who got up and they preached against homosexuality. Really, really hard. Usually when somebody harps on something, I'm just telling you from my experience, I've only been saved since I was four. Um... (laughs) From my little experience, if somebody keeps harping on a sin, they usually are involved in that sin. You know, that's what I just, if they, if every time they come, they talk about whores, or they talk about, um, what do you call it? What, what they, what they taught us, um, in youth ministry, what do they call a, a woman who goes around a tramp? No, that's a, no, not hoochie. Um, it's something else. No, no, hoochie mama. I, 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 I don't know. They call it something, uh, loose woman. Um, um, okay, we, we, well, y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> a hoe. A hoe, right? Um, <laughs> it's not just women, it's men too. My, my grandfather was a hoe. All right, I don't need you to be a friend <laughs> he, he was, he was. Uh, <laughs> but I'm I, I'm not gonna expose all of my stuff to y'all. <laughs> but my my grandfather was a hoe. Yeah, he was. He was. No, no, we ain't taking this off the video because they don't know which grandfather I'm talking about. <laughs> I have two. <laughs> so um, listen. It is so whenever somebody harps on something long enough, even in conversations, and they really hate something, I really think that they're involved. They they. They have a struggle with it. Yeah, they, do. they have a struggle with it. I mean, when you know who you are, you can you can be around anybody. You know what I'm saying? And you don't have to like call them out and whatnot. And we, we need to be very careful. And we and at the same time, if you're free from those things, you can call a thief a thief. Say, I, I love you enough, but I'm not. I don't trust you with my money. I don't trust you to well, my wallet. Uh, you know, and so forth. And so here, Jesus is telling us. Not that we shouldn't judge. He says, don't judge when you're dealing with the same thing. 
All right, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. As you know, I'm not going to get finished. I, I, I was foolish enough to believe that I was going to get finished with this today. Um, foolish, right? <laughs> let's go to verse uh, 4. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of, the, of our Lord Jesus Christ, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. It is through the power of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that we are to call to deliver a, a unrepentant brother or sister to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Uh, we do so for the spirit, for their spirit to be saved in the day of the Lord. So when we know a brother or sister who is in sin, we're not to tolerate sin in the local assembly. If, they, if they're calling themselves a Christian, I'm not a pastor to anybody who's not connected to KLM who's not a member of KLM. I, I, I don't care how much we have a relationship. I am only a pastor to you all. If I'm a prophet, if I'm an apostle, I'm to you all. But anybody else, they don't have to recognize me. Right? So don't go to other pastors to get wisdom because they're not your pastor. You're supposed to deal with your own pastors, your own leaders. I don't know where that's coming from, but I needed to say that. And so the scripture tells us to deliver this man to Satan. So when a brother or sister is, chooses not to repent, not to turn from their sins, repentance is not feeling sorry for what you just got caught doing. It means to do a 180, to go the opposite. For those who are smoking cigarettes, the Lord wants to set you free. It is a sin to smoke cigarettes. It's a sin to get drunk with wine. It is a sin to be gluttony because when you find gluttony with a lot of times in the scripture, it's connected to somebody who gets drunk. It is sin. It is a sin not to come to church on a regular basis. It's a sin not to pray and have prayer time and, and word time and, and not to tithe and give offering. All those things are sinful. And so we, and when we don't witness, we're sinning. So, we're, you know, we got this great message. We believe that Jesus changed our lives, and yet we don't tell anybody about him. And so Paul says, when you encounter a brother or sister who refuses to repent, refuses to turn away, Matthew, Matthew 18 tells us what to do. Go to the person individually, and if they don't listen to you, then bring a witness. Out of mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And then they don't turn, then bring them before the leadership of the church. And if they choose not to repent, then you pronounce that they're unbeliever because they're acting like unbelievers. That's Matthew 18. Let's go there. Y'all don't believe me. Matthew 18. Matthew chapter 18. And then we're going to talk about giving somebody over to Satan. And then we're going to go home and you're going to eat buffet and all that good stuff. Um, Matthew chapter 18. They did tell me, as I was doing, you know, they invited me to the wedding, and they said, Pastor, you might want to leave at a certain hour, because <laughs> we about to get crunk. They don't use that word, but lit up in here. Uh, and I'm like, what the heck? What is that? <laughs> they said, oh, yeah, you, you might not like this, you know. Whenever I've, I've dealt with, okay, let me not say that. Let, Luke, uh, Matthew 18. Matthew 18, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. But if he does not listen, 
Take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. That's how you deal with stuff in the local church. You don't try to, uh, it goes on, it says, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile or unbeliever and a tax collector. Then it says, surely I say unto you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything that they ask, it will be done for him, for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in among them. And we know that this is, it can be applied to prayer in, generally, in general, but this is specifically talking about restoring a brother or a sister who refuses to repent. And when there's agreement and restoration of that brother and sister, then Jesus is in the midst of them to restore them back into the fellowship. That's context. Go back to 1 Corinthians 5. And let's read verse 5 again. You are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is instructing the church to give someone over to Satan. This, I don't know about you, but that, that, that it, 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 just, it just totally goes against my theology, right? Uh, the purpose of doing so is so that they can be saved. So when a brother or sister are in our, but you can't know that if you're not among them. If you don't mingle with each other and check on each other throughout the day or throughout the week, then how would you know if they're in sin or not? Right. You got you have to connect with somebody. You got to. It's not enough to just come and hear the word, but let's become this community that God has called us to. I had somebody recently tell me things are changing at KLM. Absolutely. Things are changing. Six months from now, you won't even recognize this place. A year from now, you won't even recognize this place. Things are changing. And whenever you move the cheese, people get uncomfortable. Who move my cheese? Check the book out. It's the quickest book you ever read in your life. <laughs> Who moved the cheese? Jesus. Jesus is moving the cheese, and he's shaking some things up. And this person was like, you know, people are complaining, you know. And I think it's a small mentality. They, they like small church. We call for mega. The devil's church is bigger than ours, and so we got a lot of work to do. So I'm going after me- God loves numbers. He does. He named the book named Numbers. God so loved the world. He's going after. He won't. He. I, I'm tired of preaching to empty chairs. <laughs> God didn't call me to preach to empty chairs. I'm telling you the the. Uh, yeah. All right. Here. Go. <laughs> it, 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 it's just. It's just. It's. It's. So we 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 have to prepare our mindset and say, you know what. We're changing, and we need to change with the change. It's just like somebody still trying to write checks and pay checks for their bills. Well, or, or, or you know, you go. We we went to Delta's yesterday, and and guess what? You got to pay. You know, you got to pay with your phone for parking. Yeah. Right. The going on the days that you what 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 were we familiar with? It's like me trying to play an A track. You're like, what? They don't even make A tracks anymore. <laughs> or me trying to look, break it home cassettes. Let's take it any further. CDs. Well, right. So we got to change with the time. Otherwise, we get we'll be stuck. The world around us is changing. So our church is changing for the glory of God, and we need to purge this church of people with wrongful thinking, 
wrongful behavior. And, and we can't be cliquish. We got to embrace new people and new gifts. And if you know me, I will use anybody who even look my way, whether they belong to this church or not. If I can't find help within the church, and that's always been my philosophy. When I was youth pastor, I was using people who did not belong to the church as youth leaders, as in the choir, praise and worship team, playing instruments. I just, I do not wait for people to figure out, I think I want to be involved. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> I will use my next door neighbor. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> I'm serious. And so if you don't catch the vision, I'll get somebody who will. <laughs> and that's the part of PD they don't like, right? But it's a new day. <laughs> it's a new day. So here, Paul says, let's deliver them. So this person was telling me, uh, you know, uh, members are complaining. Let them complain. Tell them to come and see me. <laughs> that's what I told the individual. Removing this man from the ark of safety, which was the community of the saints, was handing him over to Satan's influence. There is a safety among believers. You need to get to church every time the doors open. There is safety, there is strength, there is beauty in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. There's something you can't get by you and Jesus. I know that the people singing this little KB redid it. Um, as long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else. You do need other brothers and sisters. You do need other brothers and sisters. If you think you can run this Christian life without other brothers and sisters, you have been deceived by the evil one. It takes a church to raise a Christian. And if you're not around other Christians, I'm not talking about only social media. People talk about being at home and, and I just I, I go to church every Sunday, bedside Baptist. And they streaming. Don't stream from home, stream in person. Get in, get in among the saints. There's strength and there's words and there's wisdom. And older people need to be training younger people. And our, our dream and our vision is to have a multi-generational church. Older people and young people and middle-aged people and blacks and whites and Koreans and, and Hispanics and, and Indians. God is calling us to the nations. Amen. So here, Paul recognizes and says, let's deliver them over to Satan. We, 1 John chapter 5, verse 19 says, the whole world lies in darkness and under Satan's influence. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2 says, Satan is the prince of the air. What is the realm of Satan, the prince of the air? He's the thief, kill. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I realized recently, I learned recently, that the devil does not do one of the three. He does all three every time. Steals, kills, and destroys every single time. So God uses Satan for his own purpose. His own purposes. Go with me. Two more scriptures before I let you go. 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Purging the church. It's not enough to, I mean, we need people to tell us the truth. We need people to hold us accountable, men and women of God. It, it talks about two individuals in verse 20, and he says, whom I have handed over to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. Mm -hmm. So here, again, Paul is, he has this practice of handing people over to Satan. Let's look at 
Job. Job chapter 2. Job chapter 2, and let's look at verses 6 through 7. It says this. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And so we, we see this scripture that Satan is wrong. He, he's after, actually I said Job 2, 6 and 7. Um, 6 and 7 says this. Then the Lord said to Satan, behold, he is in your hand, only spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his feet to the crown of his head. So who did this? Satan, right? So Satan received permission from the Lord to go out and to strike Job. And so here, the Lord is using Satan for his purposes. The Lord does not put sickness and disease on poor people, but if you are in disobedience, and I'm not saying Job was, if you're in disobedience, the devil has the power of death, not only under the control of the sovereign Lord. And so when someone comes against the integrity of a church, the holiness of a church, or even the unity of the church, Satan is going to have their lunch. What is the destruction of the flesh? Perhaps it was some type of disease. Whatever it was, is connected to judgment. The Lord, the church is to judge such people who aren't repentant of their active sins. This means this man was actively involved in this sin. He was having sex with his father's wife. He was actively in it. And, and, and just it wasn't just something he did in the past, but it was something that was present. It is with a current heart that the church is called to deliver such a man to Satan. How do you, one way that you can deliver someone over to Satan is to stop praying for them. Prayers of the saints cover God's people. Every part of the armor of God is the front, but on the back there is, it's just open. And the Bible tells us that Paul instructed the church of Ephesus to pray for one another. And the prayers of the saints cover the back of the saints. Of each other. So we cover each other in prayer. And one, sometimes I have been, prompted by the Lord if there was a situation and the Lord prompted me to not pray for him anymore, to stop praying for him. I had somebody recently say, I'm praying for such and such. I said, go ahead. That's you. It does not mean that I'm not walking on, I'm, I'm walking on forgiveness, but I choose to obey the spirit of the Lord. I don't pray just because there's a need, just like I don't give because there's a need. I pray by the promptings of the Spirit. You may want to ask for prayer for one thing, and I may, the Lord may lead me to pray for something else. You may be praying for a job, and God may be praying for you to treat your spouse right. Because sometimes that will line up with your, the money you're missing. Um, th there was um, a situation where a person came for prayer. They asked me for prayer, and they were facing prison time. And I went to go pray for them. I was asking the Lord to have mercy on them. And the Lord said, this is my mercy. And I stopped praying for them. And they, they're in prison right now. Right now. They, they, were, they, they, were, they were a pastor. And so sometimes God will allow us to stop praying for somebody. And he said, how could that be biblical? No, because you think that that's okay. Like, we to pray for the world. We're not called to pray for the world. 
We're, pray, we're to pray for one another, people that we're in a relationship with, and we hear a need. And sometimes people are just in disobedient. A mentor, a friend of mine, he's a mentor, not a friend of mine, not yet anyway. He's a mentor from afar, and he says this. He said this. Somebody came up, and they, this person was having problems with um, finances, and always the kids were always sick, and <clears throat> he was praying for them in prayer, and the Lord <clears throat> told them to stop praying for him. He says, I told him years ago to get a job and to keep it and to go to church on a regular basis. He has not done this in years, decades. So no, I'm not going to bless him financially until he does those two things. There's something to it when we're praying. Sometimes you may be praying, you know, some people want you to pray for what they want you to pray for. But, but we need to follow the leadership of the spirit. <sighs> Praise God. So what's the goal of, of purging the church? I'm just going to give you a couple and we'll come back next week. Uh, it, it, I th- the bottom line is, is, is the redemptive effort to rescue a believer who is blinded and hardened by sin. We're, we're, we're to rescue them. I mean, when you win a brother or sister who is in offense or who has walked away, you have gained a brother or sister. We're, we're to pray for that. It is to be modeled after the redemptive incarnational rescue mission of Christ. To convince us of our sin that we may be rescued from enslaving um, uh, from its enslaving hold on us. So we, we were to go after men and women who refuse to repent. And if they don't repent and they choose not to repent, then we're to give them over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh. Sometimes the people who are dealing, not, I'm not saying that everybody who's sick is under um, judgment. So let's clarify that. 2022, I'm not saying that everybody who's sick is dealing with judgment. But sometimes, just like communion, you can, uh, you can not rightly divide and discern the Lord's body, and you will be sick and die early. <clears throat> you do know that, right? There's things you can do to add years to your life, and there's things you can do to take away from your life. Let, let me clarify this. Let me, let me give you an example. About seven years ago, the Lord told me, he says, you are on the path of a heart attack. I need you to lose the weight. So I was going to the treadmill. I was doing what I needed to do. It got my cholesterol down really low. Then, as you know, you get lax and you get. So one of the motivations of even losing weight now is one, I couldn't fit any of my suits. <laughs> Um, but the Lord told me two months ago, you don't know about this, two months ago, he said, there's an explosion ready, ready to happen in your heart. <laughs> so I said, okay, <laughs> what am I supposed to do with that? I got to do something about it. So one of the reasons of losing weight is not to look good and give Courtney her six pack, but it's also so I can be around longer. You can't tell me that God will deal with you about everything else but how you eat, your body. You need to, so we need to bind things that we're putting in our mouths. Sometimes people want to bind the devil, bind that chicken, <laughs> that fried chicken. <laughs> you know, the, the things that we like, right? Yeah. Yeah. I want to be free from diabetes. Then stop eating stuff that's producing things that's going to cause your, you know. We need to do better, right? Uh, well, you know, you can mishandle favor. 
You can have favor with somebody, but you also can mishandle it and lose the favor. You can lose favor with God. I love you, Lord. Worship God. Worship another God and you'll lose favor with God. Allow someone else to get you into sin. You'll lose favor with God. I'm in the grace. Well, grace will make you work harder, not low, le- less, lesser, right? You, you, you're going you're gonna to go, really go in, a, go in in God when you're full of grace. Grace does not make us lazy. There's some lazy Christians. They just want to sit back, and everything that happens in my life is God. Everything is everything. Lord, help. Wrong. Everything is not everything. It's not everything is not everything. There's certain things you do. If you, you, you have the spirit of fear and you're looking at fearful movies, guess what? That fear is not going to go away. No matter how many times you quote the scripture, God is not giving me the spirit of fear. I, don't, I just can't help it. No, you can't help it. So purging the church, purging the church, dealing with sin, dealing with gossip, dealing with things that people put in their mouths on you. I was in prayer this week this, while I was at the conference, and I heard people talking about me. And I was like, Lord, like, what do you want me to do with it? I mean, you know, I, I, I can, but we need to guard that. There, there was something that happened when I was a youth pastor. There was a, a guy who friended me, and he began to talk about my pastor. And... <laughs> I said, I can't be friends with you because, number one, he's my boss. Number two, he's my man of God. He's my pastor. And if I allow you to talk about him to me, then my honor of him will go down. And so I totally cut him off. Listen, you have to guard people who are negative, people who, who, who come against the work of God. One time the Lord said, and this is when I first started in youth ministry, the Lord says, those who come against the work that you're, I'm doing through your life, they'll see an early grave. And that's when I was a babe in ministry. We, we need to guard. Let's restore each other in, from sin. Let's, let's be an example before the world. Be an example before the church. Um, let, let's put an end to gossip, gossip and slander. Let's, let's protect the doctrine of the church. If you know someone who doesn't believe what we believe, uh, we, we're persuaded by it. Let's guard the doctrinal purity of the church. Amen. Amen. If you hear somebody, if somebody come up to receive the Holy Ghost and, and that minister says, repeat after me, Shanda, Shanda, Shondo, you know, you let me know they're no longer a minister. That's, that's fake tongues. I, I remember recently um, my um, oldest son, he was like, um, I was singing to school and I was telling him to pray in tongues. No, we were singing to Dennis. And um, he got filled with the Holy Spirit at a young age. And, and so he, he got in a habit of just, I said, I'm praying in tongues. He goes, I said, no, that's not tongues. <laughs> I said, let it come out of your belly. <laughs> and he was like, what did I say? I said, that's it. <laughs> True story. I said, yeah. I, when I heard that, I was like, that's the Holy Ghost. Now stay in that vein. Don't be shush, 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 shush. Just, you're not doing nothing. You're wasting time. <laughs> and he was like, okay, daddy, I get it. <laughs> let's, let's guard our church. You got to live right. If you're going to guard the church, you got to live right. right? You, can't, you can't be, um, you know, you can't be up, um, you know, doing things for the church or say, I go to this church and, and yet your life doesn't represent Christ. You bring damage to the church. 
Well, let me stop there. I can go so many other ways. And we'll probably finish this next week. Um, we got to guard what God is doing. Like the young person that just came to me and told me, I guess they were speaking based on, on the representation of the older people who've been around here. I wait for no one. I wait for no one but the Lord. And if we're going to move forward and God has some great things in store for our church, we have to be willing to let the past go. We had some good times in Willenboro. We had some good times at, at the library and some good times at the um, clubhouse and some good times at the, at the um, hotel. And we're going to be in our next building, you know, at our new building. We, we have to leave behind old mentalities things that will stop and hinder the move of God. God is doing some great things here and we want to march forth. And as, the, as um, this group says, ain't no stopping us now. This is the first time I'm I've been pastoring for 14 years. This is the first time I'm doing what the Lord wants me to do out of 14 years of pastoring. 14 years of pastoring. I have been in disobedience. 13 years. 13 years. This is the first time, I told this person, I said, this is the first time I'm doing what God wants me to do as a pastor. I've allowed a PhD program. I've let, allowed, I mean, one time I was working 70, 80 hours a week, totally out of the will of God. Somebody said to me, I, I, I respect a pastor who, who has a secular job and pastors. I said, you're a fool. I said, it's God's will for that pastor to give themselves over to the word and prayer. And how can they do that when they're divided? You know, that conversation didn't go well. I don't like big churches. Well, you might as well get away from me. Because I got big on this side of me. Amen. I think big. I talk big. Amen. I confess big. Amen. I mean, we confess them for a million dollars. Which is it's nothing. Nothing. My woman of God told me to believe beyond infinity and beyond. Amen. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.